welcome to another episode of the Agent on Duty podcast. I am John Marion, and I am the Agent on Duty. This podcast is devoted to bringing content about the residential real estate industry. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can always access the show notes for each episode at innovativeproperties.com. Misi Louie, thank you for coming uh, and talking to me today on the Agent on Duty podcast. Uh, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, I really was interested in your story of how uh, you got into real estate. And I was looking at um, reading some things about you and and after our conversation. So I'd like to start at the beginning in terms of you coming to the United States. You're originally from from China. Tell us about that. How how is it that you came here and and what what did you do when you arrived? Yeah, of course. I came here in 2009 as a high school exchange student. And uh, I was exchange student in Arkansas. And uh, that's where I came to the U.S. And then I stayed on for college, work, a master's degree, and more work after that as well. Uh, then I'm here back in Arkansas after uh, I took over a job that relocated me to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you came to the United States, did you have um, an interest in real estate or any background in real estate? Because now you're, you're an owner of commercial property and we'll talk about your story leading up to where you are now. But when you came here, did you have, what kind of knowledge or did you have about yeah. real estate? Yeah, very good question. I was exposed to real estate before I came here. My father, he started building a building with some of his friends and acquaintances in my hometown in China. But that was right around when the recession hit. So it did not go that well. <laughs> in right. fact, one of the tenants who leased out the place for a hotel didn't end up paying the rent for a few years because the court dragged out the whole process. So I do have exposure to real estate, but it was more of a warning sign as not get into real estate. <laughs> yeah. Other than getting into real estate, yeah. And then from there, I didn't really want to or thought about uh, getting into real estate. Rather, after I moved back from Chicago to back to Arkansas, I wanted to buy a single family home to leave for myself. And then during that process, I was essentially house hacking. I purchased a home and my mortgage payment was around $1,000. And I rent out two of the three rooms to my friends. And the total payment was from them was $1,100. So I essentially was just house hacking because I got tired of paying rent when I lived in Chicago. And then I got a little taste of being a landlord from that experience. Then I expanded into duplex and then I expanded into how can I do this even better into commercial real estate with a scalability. <clears throat> so what, yeah. So um, oh, I think, first of all, that, I think that's great what you did with buying a house and renting rooms out. I, I wish more people would do that. It's such a fantastic opportunity to have um, your tenants pay for your mortgage. It's just a great way to, uh, to really accelerate, um, wealth and paying down, paying off that mortgage. Uh, so how did you go though, jump from, from that to wanting to get into commercial real estate? What, what led you to make that leap? Yeah, it was really a bad tenant experience that I had, one of uh, on the duplex, I was essentially house hacking too. I lived on one side and rented out the other side. And the tenant I 
inherited. They basically trashed the place when they moved out. It was so stinky and dirty. I had to call trash removal. So I started thinking, you know, even if I buy two, three single family home or duplexes a year with my savings whatsoever, how much more of this experience do I really have to go through? Um, even though, even if I hire a property manager, you know, still the emotional attachment to the property. So I thought about how can I do this more effectively and with real estate and uh, commercial real estate more specifically and syndications, how can we separate the duties of management? And if I get onto the active track of real estate investment, commercial real estate, how I can focus on the things I love, which is investor relationships and other people, they can focus on asset management and property managers can focus on the things that I don't necessarily love. Um, so that's kind of what me, seeing the things I didn't want to do in real estate and how can I do better, bigger, doing the things I love. Okay. So, uh, so walk me through how you got into your first commercial property. Is it, did you, did you have an agent helping you or were you just looking around or what, 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 yeah. did, what steps did you take to find a property? Yeah. Cause so my first commercial property was a eight unit passive investment into a real syndication in Lincoln, Nebraska. So that that process consists of me knowing someone who's a active partner, general partner that is already has done their due diligence and acquisition process had now have a deal under contract. I just participated as a limited partner. And from there, I started uh, getting to the active side that's where I partnered with another company where when they found the deal, the property, and I invested along with them as a active partner and brought my investors along with them. Essentially, me and my company acted as an equity partner for this commercial property deal. So the commercial properties, were these um, residential? Were these like apartment buildings? Yeah, they're all apartment buildings. Okay. So as far as uh, for a lot of my listeners, they, they may not actually be familiar with uh, like syndications and funds and stuff like that. A lot of people have this idea that if they were to buy a commercial piece of property, they'd have to go to a bank and get a loan and do all that. But it sounds like you got into the fund structure right away uh, with your commercial investing. Is that correct? It wasn't necessarily a fund structure, but it was a partnership. Even in the residential side, you may have people who have the experience, but they don't have the money. Well, people have the money, but they don't have the experience. So how can you partner together? Typically in larger apartment complexes, the general partners, either they don't have all the money to put down a down payment on a $10 million apartment complex, for example, that would be $3 million. So we essentially syndicate the property. That means a group purchase. So each investor, whether passive or active, they get a fractional share of the property based on how much they're investing in or the work they're contributing. So though it's essentially profit sharing through that process. And I was a general partner, so I was more putting my sweat equity. I also invested passively in the deal as well. Okay. I see. That's great. So, um, so how many properties do you have now? It, 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 you you haven't stopped. I mean, you you have um, you know you bought your house, you got into commercial real estate, you did a deal, and then a second deal, and and uh, it sounds like you there's no stop to what you're doing. Um, what, how many how many commercial properties are you involved with now, and what what are you looking at uh, beyond that? Yeah. 
So across the passive and uh, active investments, there's about 158 units that's in my portfolio today. And that consists of uh, one single family, one duplex, a apartment complex of 108 units and apartment complex of uh, 48 units. The next step is definitely to help more people invest passively into real estate space on the commercial real estate side, because I realized that once we leverage economies of scale, we can do a lot more. There is a lot a bigger pie for everyone. We can hire people to professionally manage the property management company to do the entire process, while others who are passive investors just kind of sit back and collect their returns on the investment. So that's what I want to do more for other people. And that could apply to single-family home too, of course. It's just that, you know, unless the single-family homes are together, it's a lot of times it's harder on the scalabilities and um, the cost per door is higher as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, that's I, I kind of live in the single-family world. We manage some uh, some multifamily units as well, but uh, scaling the single-family <laughs> house uh, is really, uh, you know, uh, difficult compared to commercial property where you can just buy in one transaction, you know, hundreds of doors at one time. So, uh, so the properties that you're invested in and that you're, uh, you're finding, you know, with your investors, are they concentrated in where you are in Arkansas? Are they spread out in different places or how are you doing that? Yeah. They're actually spread out in different places in Chesapeake, Virginia, and also Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, as a next step in my business, I'm looking at narrowing down more to the states of me. So I live in Arkansas, so I'm looking at Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, those states. Because I do think it offers investors more sense of comfort to know that the property isn't that far I want to drive by. They can see it. Um it offers me the convenience to travel there easily as well. If I do want to check on it, provide an update to my investors. So I do want to focus on those areas and those are also growing states as well. Okay. So if somebody wanted to learn, well, I have two questions. One, what, what advice would you give somebody who's, who's listening? Maybe they're a homeowner or maybe they haven't even purchased their first home yet. And all this world of, you know, syndicating deals and partnerships and having general partners and, and active investors and passive investors and all these different moving components um, that, that you're involved with. What advice would you give to somebody that, that, um, that is totally new to this world, it, it, but if they have an interest of getting in, getting involved, what, what can they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would recommend studying up on what syndication is and uh, learn a little bit more about the terminologies and get to know people who are doing deals in the space. For example, you can visit my website, lifemissioncapital.com. I have a free book on how to invest passively in real estate and similarly you can find a lot of those resources online as well getting to know people like me um they can help you get connected to deals who are in that space because you can learn so much but until you actually start seeing how the deal looks like uh, you're always just in the searching phase so i would recommend those two things to start with get connected to the resource to learn on paper and get connected with the right person that can help you understand certain questions that i have okay and i wasn't sure did you also want me to cover about just getting into real estate investing in general yeah like a single family home yeah okay 
Yeah, I would also recommend just taking a look at their portfolio today from an investment standpoint. You know, how, how much are you investing in one of asset class, stocks or crypto or whatever that is? And think about how risky it is and uh, how do you balance that towards your goals, whether it's towards investment or financial freedom. And think about how real estate can play a part for that, for your gold. Um, concerned that real estate has been really um, consistent in delivering about 13% returns on an annual basis over the past, I believe, 50 years. And that, and on the syndication deals, it's usually between 15 to 20% on an annual basis. So think about how that can help you towards your portfolio and your financial freedom number, whatever that might be, 100000 or 60000 So once you understand that and just try to start get started, whether it's syndication or just get started with house hacking or just get started with moving from one house to another, depending on your budget, uh, I would say understand your end goal and do some research in the area and then get started on taking some actions. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love it. So, um, so I'm going to ask you to send me all those links that you have. I'm going to put them in the show notes so everybody can easily access the information that, that you're providing. And, uh, is there a way for people to contact you? Send me that information as well. If somebody wants to schedule a call with you or, or, um, or get some more information, uh, I'll, I'll post all those links on the show notes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's Misi at lifemissioncapital.com, M-I-C-Y at lifemissioncapital.com, and I'll be happy to share separately as well. Okay, great. Um, now, I've got I've got a, one more question, um, and uh, the, I'd like to hear a story from you and your real estate investing that is either something like crazy that you experienced or or something really funny. Uh, or something shocking, or or a big learning experience. Um, is there anything that com- that pops into your mind out of all the deals and transactions, and being a landlord and working with investors? And uh, is there something that really pops into your mind that that really stands out, either as an you know something you learned or something that is just really funny to you? Or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I do have something that's fresh in my. I am right now uh, on the other side of the duplex I live in right now. I do Airbnb, and typically the customers are pretty good. But every once in a while, like every once in a long while, I run into this guest that just totally destroys the place. Sometimes you can get a little emotional about those investment decisions because you're so close to the front line. And um, from those experiences, I what I try to keep my head at, where I'm trying to remind myself is it's an investment decisions. And try to just take the emotions out of it. Just really look at only from an expense and a profit standpoint. Is it still making sense to continue invest like this versus trying to get emotional about how people treated my properties? I think that's been a consistent experience I've been learning from having bad tenants or having good tenants. I think I try to remind myself it's an investment decision and remove the emotions away from it. And and that's really going to help us being objective about the whole investment process. And that's what I would encourage others to think about as well. Really just focus on the numbers and the possibilities and the risks versus getting emotional about those type of things. Yeah, that is, that is great insight. That's absolutely 
True. I've, I've talked to a lot of beginning beginner investors over the years, and uh, they get too emotionally entangled with, with their deals. And you really have to separate yourself from that. So that, that is excellent advice. And I love, love that focus, focus on the numbers, uh, because it's an investment. And, uh, and that's, that's where the focus needs to be. Um, well, good. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we, before we wrap up? I would add that whatever you're learning, uh, I always remember to give back what you're learning, whether that's in financial resources, time, or just sharing with others. Uh, if any of the listeners out there, there are pens, I encourage you to check out a program called Junior Achievement. They are a nonprofit worldwide. Specifically, they're more focused on the U.S. They have volunteers that go into schools that help kids to learn about financial literacies, budgets, taxes, all those topics. I think it's always good to have your kids start learning on those topics earlier and use those as tools in their life and financial planning at early stages. So I just want to encourage others to continue to give back. And uh, I volunteer through those uh, nonprofits, Junior Achievement. And maybe it's something you can either check into for your own kids or volunteer through. Yeah, I love it. I've always thought that more uh, financial literacy needs to be taught in schools. So it's great to hear that Junior Achievement is doing that. And uh, that's awesome that you're volunteering uh, for that because so many people are just not, don't have any knowledge about, um, about a lot of these things. And it's, it's really important for people to learn, learn this information. Yes, definitely. Yeah, there are our future. So. Absolutely. Well, Misi, thank you for joining me today on, uh, and talking to me uh, on my, pet, uh, my Agent on Duty podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Pleasure is mine. And thank you so much. And uh, looking forward to staying connected with you and your listeners. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks, Misi. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. All righty. Bye now.